0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Pinpoint Health Show, we are ready to go. And uh, lots of stuff to get through today. If you want to talk to Dr. Lou, reach out, ask your questions. You got some... Uh... Some issues, pain or otherwise, bring it on to info at pinpointhealth.ca. How you doing, brother? Good morning.
2: Hey, John. Good morning. How's, I'm good. How are you?
1: Loving it. Loving uh, loving the day so far. What, uh, what do you got for us today, pal?
2: Yeah, I got a bit of a bone to pick. I feel bad doing this, but and, I, and I'm actually interested in callers potentially calling about this, So, um, because I've sort of heard this through the patients. So um, this week I was having uh, sort of a meeting with a number of staff members at the Pinpoint Health Clinics. And you know, our role is really being a, a part in someone's healthcare. It's we don't provide all of their healthcare; uh, we provide a part of it. Um, and a lot of the times, we're co-managing with other professionals. Um, and one of the most important professionals is is the general practitioners and the family doctors. And when and and this is sort of it came as a little bit of a surprise to me, but it, I heard it from enough staff members, and they've heard it from enough patients that there's clearly something something up here and so in speaking to them they were sort of saying you know a lot of patients are complaining about um that their family doctors still aren't back in the office and they're not able to get appointments and a lot of it has been virtual care but they don't feel like they're getting the care that they really need um and they feel like they have things that they should be seen in person for and so I, i thought it was interesting and and if it's true it's sad um that That this is happening, right, because obviously, as the gatekeepers of someone 's health, uh, this is very important and and, I, and 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 i'm relaying this not really to you know nothing more than to just put a message out there that this is what pa- patients are saying, this is what people are saying, and this is why I want to put this out there if we have Uh, potential listeners who have a similar experience, we'd love to hear about it. We need to have that conversation happening because if that's how the population feels and it's the majority of the population, well, that's a problem because we don't want a whole bunch of people feeling like the person that should be most um, aware and concerned and available for their health is unavailable. Um, And, you know, it's not it's not as black and white as it may seem, because there's obviously, you know, someone like a family doctor is going to see a whole host of things. You know, our clinics are mainly seeing pain and injury. So people know that, hey, if I don't have a fever, I don't have any of these symptoms, then I don't go there. But obviously, family doctors offices will see a wide range of things. And some of those things are are virus and and bacterial types of infections which may have similar symptoms. So potentially the reasoning is also um to to really combat that and to prevent that. And I mean there might also be family doctors listening right now. I'd love to to hear from them in terms of what their experience has been. And again, this isn't me saying that, you know, it's right one way or it's wrong the other way, but it was something that sort of was a surprise to me. And it goes back to what I've been speaking about for the last few months with you, John, on this show is that COVID-19, outside of the virus itself, is having a bigger impact on people's health. Um, And it's not just the virus that is, is negatively affecting people's health when they get the virus, but the consequences of what we've done and what we've had to do. And again, that's not me blaming anybody. I believe the government's done the best that they could with the resources and the tools and the knowledge that they had at the time. But what we've done is really we've created other problems. Um, and so, you know, we can't go back in time and and change that, but we do have to figure out a system of how do we deal with it going forward. And, and I think that's an important thing for everybody to start considering and having the conversation around what does that happen? In fact, one of the things that I noticed, um, that the ministry of health did, and I was calling for this early on in the pandemic was that they finally put out some messaging around that active living, healthy eating, all these things may help prevent, or uh, give you a, a stronger ability to fight um, COVID should you become sick, et cetera. And, and it's incredible to me that it's taken you know, seven months for something like that to happen because it, it, to anybody who's a healthcare practitioner or a healthcare professional, doctor, whomever, it all sort of makes sense. It makes good sense. It's something that I've been speaking about from the beginning, and, I, and I'm not by any means smarter than anybody else. I think if you spoke to anybody, they would say that. They would say, yeah, sure, that, that makes perfect logical scientific sense so why not have that messaging early and so you know this is this is my concern right now is what's happening to healthcare and, and not the healthcare system per se, but what's happening to individuals' healthcare? What's happening to the way they go about getting themselves treated? Are they becoming, you know, do they feel sort of disenfranchised in that system saying like, well, there's no one available anyways? Are they turning to other things? Cause that's where you start to create, you know, when, when you have the medical system that's creating a vacuum like that, my other concern is that's where people can fall into these non, scientific non-evidence-based uh forms of treatment right because it just is there to fill a void and that's and that could potentially be even more dangerous going forward so you know this is a big vicious circle for me that i sort of see coming and and i'm and i'm concerned about it
1: you know, and I'll take it one step further. Personally, I mean, my wife who's who's very diligent about going for physicals and getting checked out. I mean, she, she's always in contact with her doctor, and her doctor's been amazing. But since, uh, you know, the beginning of COVID, it's, it's kind of been uh, radio silence. So she's been searching and searching, calling the office, even the assistant's not picking up. They're leaving a message and did some serious digging through some other contacts and found out that the doctor has retired
2: because of COVID-19. Jeez. Nobody told yeah. her
1: now she has no access to her medical records that's what we're trying to get
2: now well she'll get them eventually but so this is exactly my point right like now you're and i hadn't spoken to you about this either so i didn't even know that you had a personal story like that like that's crazy you know what i mean like like when i hear that to me that's just absolutely crazy we we're leaving people without their primary health care providers and you know again i get it if you know, there's there's an infrastructure way to do this. When we had to shut down during COVID at the Pinpoint Health Clinics, we still had administrative support. We still had people ready to talk to you. So if you called... You know, you were going to get an answer to the phone call uh, or the email or whatever it was. If you really needed to speak to someone, we were going to make sure you spoke to someone. If it was absolutely urgent and we needed to get you in the clinic, we were even going to go that far because we were listed as as an emergency type of service. But obviously, we did our best to minimize those things. And that's where those things become minimized from an infrastructure and operations standpoint. And when I hear things like you're saying there, John, never mind the physician, but that the staff are isn't even you know communicating letting this stuff go in that you have to go digging to get that type of information that is insane it's not it's not even allowed so you know again if there's people listening and they've had these these similar types of experiences stories please give us a call it's important that we start talking about this that we start spreading this message because when we do that we can work towards solving this problem and and i don't mean just us, but maybe there's other people in government, um, that listen, that hear this and, and are, are sort of being, oh, geez, what's going on? Like, I, I wasn't aware of this. I've heard some horror stories. I, I've heard that, you know, there's, there's walking clinics that because of the virtual care model, they can see so many more people and make so much more money that from a purely business perspective, they want to transition to come to, to completely that. And you've seen that where now yeah. all of a sudden on, on every news channel, on every uh advertisement there's a new virtual clinic. Like hey, virtual care is great and it has its place, but I don't think it can fully replace an in-person contact visit when you need to see a patient. So I think a hybrid model might might work very well, but I don't think that this should just be pure based purely on business, right? Like you can't just say, well the profits are greater because we minimize our overhead. That's the wrong way to deal with people's health care.
1: Info at pinpointhealth.ca and of course the long form podcast series the loo down is for you to watch anytime as well. We'll return to it. Pinpoint Health Show right here, Global News Radio. You
0: are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back to the show, Pinpoint Health Show, pinpointhealth.ca, the website. You can book an appointment on the top right. You can reach out to Dr. Lou anytime, one eight five 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 Dr. Lou. And the Lou Down, the long form podcast series, which is yielding some really cool stuff, man. I'm glad you're still doing that. I know you've got guests, rather, of. Of all walks of life on the show, and it's uh, it's really cool to tune into. If you got some time, you can download it where you get your favorite
2: podcast, right? For sure, yeah. And we just, I just put one up that I did with uh, Adam Robles, who works with Raptors Republic. It's a it's a great podcast, um, sort of going into different avenues and and just having interesting conversations. It's, it's been fun
1: you have uh, pain concerns health concerns that's uh, why we do the show here on the morning call if uh, not for yourself or a friend or family member bring it on we'd love to talk to you what else uh, where are we going now pal
2: yeah i mean so you know i think we should really continue the conversation around making sure that during these times because you know what we started with in the first segment they're talking about that the you know on the side of the professional that they may not be available I, I also want to, you know, it, you've got to look at both sides all, also. And there's a lot of people. So on the patient side, where people are making their own choice to not go get these things done. And I've had, a no, we've had a number of people even call this show and, and say, you know, well, not right now. I had somebody that called our office uh, from the radio last week and they were sort of like, well, I don't want to come in until November um, or December. And it was like, you know, we really try to get people in as soon as possible. And I, and, and so you know, this also falls onto the patients to make sure that they're not deferring their own health care. It's bad enough that the system in place is doing that for us right now. You don't want to compound it by you also being in the same position and also doing that. Because again, when you're deferring your health, you're just deferring the problems, right? And, and as problems become deferred, they likely will become bigger and can become more serious in that in that period of time. So if there's stuff that you had that you were supposed to get done, you know, most, again most of the clinics that I know of that I can think of are open. They're operating. They have safe procedures. And when I say healthcare, I'm not just talking. I mean, for me, healthcare is, is everything. It's your optometrist. It's your dentist. It's your family doctor. It's your rehab place. Like I, what we provide, it's your whatever, right? Fill in the bank, blank. It doesn't matter. Every place, most places that I know are doing their best to to really you know be operating uh do it in a safe way and that's important and and i don't think people should be deferring their you know we i remember actually a few weeks ago i think it was we had a caller who was uh speaking about their mom and was sort of saying well i don't want to take her anywhere right now until and i and i forget what the exact issue was and i sort of said like that's the wrong approach yes. right like you know you've got to you've got to stop and consider okay how do i get me or my loved one in to see the professional that they need to see because it's important but how do I do it in a safe way what what is my responsibility what is the responsibility that falls on to me in terms of hygiene not touching my own face et cetera, et etc and let me ask about what are the policies that the clinic has in place to try to keep me safe and I think if you do that again the risk is so low that that I don't think that there's a trade-off where you'd want to delay it. Now, if this is something that's absolutely minor, it's not a big deal, there's no reason for you to go in, yeah, then, then obviously you should avoid it. But I, unfortunately, I've heard a lot of people with a lot of things that I don't consider minor, that I consider significant. Unfortunately, I've even heard people that have called that I consider things to be red flags. And they're deferring their healthcare, saying, well, I'm not going to get this taken, a, you know, looked at until a few months from now or until things are back to normal. We don't know when that's going to be right. right. There's, the, uh, there's this magical perception where everyone's talking like 2021, right? Like, you know, like just because the calendar changes, all of a sudden the problem goes away. It's not it's not that. The, the, that that doesn't exist this this is on a spectrum. this is going to take time. it will get better over time, but it's not like you're going to be able to pick a day and say boom there it is that's the day that it ended the same way that you can't pick a day and say boom there's the day that it it sort of became you know in a way you can because we all know when we shut down we know the first potential cases of this in Wuhan China, but my point is it's been a progression and the same way it's progressed to where we are right now. it will be a progression the other way as we go through the tail end and get out of it and you know, you don't want to be putting your health care on hold, um, you know, waiting for this magical point in time that may not exist. And and that's very, very dangerous. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. And and if people are still out there and they're still doing that, I really encourage you, um, again, sort of reflect, figure out what it is you can do on your own to be safe in, and to get in to see somebody and, and make sure and, chal- and, you know, do your due diligence to find out what is the clinic doing to ensure your safety and most clinics i know pinpoint health if you visit PinpointHealth.ca, we have a whole section right at the top that will show you the extent of the protocols that we're going through and that we're following so i mean and again i would imagine that most places are doing that so you know try to try to be reasonable about this and 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 don't just live in absolute fear and not do anything because again the consequences outside of the virus uh, from a health perspective, might be worse than the virus itself, potentially, it, depending on the, the individual's case. Yeah, in and
1: most, most of I say most, I, I want to say all, but you can't say all definitively, but most of the clinics and, and offices I've been to, I mean, I, yesterday I was at my eye surgeon, because I had I, to have a checkup, you walk in, there's lots of social distancing, there's masks being worn, you're even screened on the way in the front door of the building, and I was totally at ease, and it was, you know, it's something you've got to do, and I think, to your point, people have got to really watch out because everyone's got their eyes on that number. They're watching the news every day, but that yeah. doesn't mean, as you said, you should be locking yourself in your basement in pain with health problems because you're too scared to go to a clinic.
2: Yeah. Again, I think the other reality about this is, is you know, numbers as they stand alone can be scary, but you always sure. got to think of these things proportionally. So when you think of you know that many cases out of the entire population and even more so that's you know out of the people that have symptoms or and get tested the vast majority are testing negative right like uh, you know 99% 98% are testing negative so the vast majority of people that have any type of flu like symptoms actually don't have covid and so you're you're a small proportion of that and again that's not me being cavalier about it saying well this is all you know there's nothing that we should be worried about no we should be worried, but we should be worried in a way where we're doing the right things. You're, you're wearing your mask, you're washing your hands, you're not touching your face, you're not touching your eyes, you're not interacting with people in a needless way. I mean, I've even seen my own friends and family at this point that when I see them, typically prior to this, you would have hugged them, you would have kissed them. We've just stopped those things right now. We could still enjoy each other's company without actually having to physically touch one another at any point. I've met new people for business, for patients that I've met and before. I would always extend my hand and shake their hands. We've stopped all those things like with everybody. So just that I I actually believe we'll see a decrease in a lot of different things. Um, in terms of viruses that spread, because we're just doing so much of a better job. My kids back in daycare, I see the extent that they go through to clean and make sure everything's, you know, separated the teachers and are all wearing the the full gear that they need to. Like, they're doing a great job. Everyone's doing as good of a job as can possibly be done. Like, we can't also not live life. Again, the disaster of that is far worse than than a virus itself. Right. Like you, we have to go back and remember that when we stopped everything back in March, it was because there was a concern of, of really exceeding the capacity of our healthcare system and that then we would create bigger problems by just not having these things available. I think we've, we've shown that that's not the case right now. In fact, a lot of hospitals are still not even operating at the capacity that they once were before, prior to COVID ever even existing. So yeah. we've done a job to flatten that curve. That's what we keep hearing. And yeah, we knew, we knew like all along that there's going to be, you know, peaks and valleys in the way this virus happens because You know, temperature changes happen. People, you know, start the minute, you know, everyone's back in offices. You're not outside as much as you once were during the the summer months. All of those things. It has that. And we know based on the flu that that's what happens. There are peaks and valleys of the flu and viral types of illnesses. So there's no surprise that we all of a sudden should say, oh, my God, it's rising again. Of course it is. We're not nothing that we do from a quarantine type of perspective is going to make this thing disappear. What we're really trying to do is limit it. And again, I think you can go about your lives in a very particular structured way by doing the things that I suggested earlier, and that everyone's been suggesting, and be able to live your lives, do the things that you need to do in a safe way that's safe for you, for your family, but and also for everyone around you so that you're doing your part for your fellow citizen.
1: Well, I hope there's, uh, you know, people because of this and the things they've learned as far as, you know, cleaning up and distancing and handshaking, all the things you mentioned, hopefully these become habits for, you know, from now till time immemorial and people don't go back. Plus, there's the fact that when this all came down the first time, and now I'm talking about a resurgence here in the fall, which they're expecting, as you said, schools going back in, it's going to get cold, people are inside, people are going to get it again. Back in March, we didn't know about shields and masks and you know all the different PPE and all the different ways we can keep ourselves you know separated so i think now that we've learned something we can bust out all those precautions again yeah. and we're going to be better set moving on Absolutely. in the next few months right yeah and there we've was also a
2: shortage bit. yeah and there was also a shortage of all those things right like now the amount of companies that have started to make like i know in terms of for the clinics in terms we always purchase PPE when we would need it for different procedures things like that and you know when that happened you know prices skyrocketed and it was crazy and it was barely available. Never mind when we were willing to almost pay anything uh, to get the stuff that we needed. And, and now there's so many different places where you can get that. I mean, I, I go everywhere and everywhere you go, there's tons of sanitizer everywhere. Um, you know, there's rules like, again, we've we've sort of and I think that was why the shutdown was necessary so that it gave time for everybody to sort of catch up. But now that we've sort of caught up, we know what we're dealing with, we can be prepared, we can do different things. Again, you can sort of, again, go on with your life in a a structured way that's safe for you, your family, and for everyone around you, your fellow citizens, everything. But again, you know, we're not going to talk about the entire (laughs) structure of someone's life here. The point is that I think you and I, John, are trying to make here is when it comes to healthcare you should not be deferring your healthcare the essential things that you would otherwise be investigating have done because you know what might seem like a little benign problem that you you know in normal times quote unquote you would say okay i'm going to get this checked out just to make sure nowadays if you're saying well i'm not going to get that checked out we know especially when it comes to the most serious things that we deal with that early detection is one of the most important things to a good outcome to a good prognosis so why would you want to delay early detection? I mean, we used to hear about this yeah. all the time. Every commercial was about early detection, early detection. So if we already have a system that's, that's delaying that right now, why are you as an individual going to add to that and say, yeah, you know, even though some things are open, I'm still going to keep delaying it. Early detection for everything when it comes to your health is key, and it doesn't matter whether that's a benign problem like an acute sprain of your wrist or something very serious like, you know, getting checked for colon cancer early detection is key because then early intervention happens and then your prognosis is often better
1: yeah it's amazing when you mentioned people to rush on uh, on commodities when this thing first happened which hopefully we don't see again with the second rise i mean hey think about it if you got kids at home that you're not going back to school if you want to teach them math you can use the ten thousand rolls of toilet paper you stocked up on that you still have in your cellar pinpointhealth.ca it's the pinpoint health show it's right here global news radio
0: you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto
1: and welcome back to the pinpoint health show info at pinpointhealth.ca and a reminder it's very cool the Lou down the long form podcast series with dr Lou. as well there you go pal
2: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great to, you know, my favorite part of the show is, is the calls. And this always sort of happens at the, the beginning of September where the, the airwaves are a little dead. I guess people are getting sort of back into the swing of, uh, of things. But, you know, obviously, and, and maybe sort of everybody's sick of the COVID conversation, too, uh, which I don't blame everybody. Uh, you know, but here's your opportunity going back to deferring your health. Here's your opportunity to call, speak to me. You know, you might have something going on, just looking for a little bit of guidance. Um, And, you know, a quick conversation on the radio actually has helped, I think, a lot of people over. This has to be, I'm trying to think back, but I I would say this might be the start of the fifth sort of season. Yeah, Yeah, fifth year. This is like the, because we started just after Labor Day, I remember. So I think we've completed four years. So we're going on to our fifth year of this show. And I would say that those phone calls and, and, and the people that have eventually come to see me, I'm happy to say that I think I've helped, you know, thousands of people um, in, in one way or another. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I've been there, be all end all. But at the very least, I've tried to provide, um, you know, the best advice that I can. And you know, one thing that's interesting is people are always so surprised at when they come to see me that I'm, you know, like not trying to sell some magic treatment or do something crazy or whatever. And it's, you know, sometimes I, and, and I tell them, I'm like, you know, my, and I, and I've said it on this show a million times. My job is really just to provide the best evidence-based advice that I can possibly give someone for their pain and injury stuff. If that means that, you know, it's something that I think that me or my team can help with, I'm going to make that recommendation. If I think it's something that you can deal with at home by doing a certain specific set of, you know, procedures, exercises, things like that, I'm going to make that recommendation. If I think you should go somewhere else to another uh, type of healthcare professional or clinic setting that I think would be better suited for you, I'm going to make that same recommendation. I don't really care. I'm not, I've got to be honest, I'm not there. I don't do this show to be an infomercial or try to sell something i really you know when i first started um dealing with patients after graduation i I quickly realized that you know it it was quite sad how misunderstood pain and injury was and you know we hear so much about so many other things because they're you know life-threatening and justifiably so that's fine but we don't hear a lot about pain and injury and it was so amazing to me at how misunderstood it was and i thought you know, what's going on here, but I realized, hey, the only reason why it's not misunderstood to me is because I've sort of dedicated my career to understanding it. And so, you know, I I sort of have a social responsibility in a way that if I care that much that it's so misunderstood, well, what can I do uh, as an individual to start changing that message and start having people understand that? And, you know, that's why this radio show really happened is that was the point of it for me is really what can I give back? Um, and, and what can I share with the the people out there, with, with everyone that listens, in terms of how they can do better. And honestly, I think there's tons of people out there that have probably, and, and, I, and I hear it because they will call me at points, that have probably listened to me for all these years, have never, ever come to see me, but have taken my advice and sort of lived with it, and it's helped them to stay healthy or, or manage their things and their injury. And so and so to some extent, they're thankful for that. And I've had that. I've had people call say, hey, I, I don't need to come in, I'm doing well, but I listen to you every week, I, I get what I need from it, I love what you have to say, I love your ideology around it. You know, another thing about me, John, I think that's, that sort of resonates with people, is I don't overcomplicate this stuff either, right? Like, when, when it comes to a lot of these things, you know, I, I'm, I'm a realist, I really try to, you know, be as real as possible that, I, you know, when I'm telling people about having um, a healthy life, I'm not saying some crazy workout routine and I'm not talking about this incredibly impossible diet that someone should follow. I try to be as real as possible in the sense of like, no moderate physical activity three to four times a week. And and I'm not a moderate just because it's my opinion. That's the other thing here. I'm a moderate because that's what the scientific evidence keeps showing is the best thing. And so why would I, why would I suggest more if the research doesn't suggest that now that doesn't necessarily mean mean that doing more is negative for some people it's needed like you're you're one of those people john that you have to go above and beyond because of your level of fitness so in order to get more fit you've got to do more and more things you've got to eat healthier and healthier but for the average person out there that's just looking for listen what can i do to keep my body well to sort of manage the aches and pains that i do part of that conversation is living well, and living well means you need to get a moderate amount of physical activity three to four times a week. Moderate physical activity for 30 minutes is like raking leaves. It constitutes that, right? So we're not talking, I'm not saying you've got to go to a, you know, a CrossFit class three to four times a week. I'm talking about you've got to be moving. We we live in a world where we're just always sitting. We're not doing very much. You got to get up and you got to move around. And when it comes to your diet, listen, I, I promise you, if I, if I held a quiz and I gave it to the population out there, everybody would know if the quiz said like, you know, what do you think is better, something in a box or something that, you know, is natural? I guarantee you everybody's going to check something that's naturally occurring. Mm-hmm. It just it's, it's not rocket science. It makes perfect common sense. And because it makes common sense, it's probably the reason why it's true. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of my, you know, philosophy on why I ever wanted to do this show. Why? Um, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't know what else I can say about it
1: want to get a call in quick before we break here richard thanks
0: for standing by i have a question about essential fatty acids it's part of our uh, the breakdown of our body is we're not getting enough um, omega-3 we get way too much six omega-6 right. in our diet but uh, three is that the reason i get more chronic pain and stiffness in my joints and such i'm 60 now
2: right yeah i mean so Essential fatty acids are obviously very important. The one thing that I would say about all these things, and it's funny, I I saw when I was watching the Raptors game yesterday, I saw a commercial for um, uh, glucosamine, and it was sort of selling the fact that if you take that and you have aches and pains, that that will be the solution. Really, again, most pain and aches and things like that are multifactorial. They're not a direct cause of just one thing, and it's very rare that it's just, you know, a a little bit of a deficiency in omega-3s or glucosamine causing the problem. Does that mean that you shouldn't try to get those things? No, absolutely. It's part of the picture. It's a part of what you need to do to sort of help with those things. Um, But that doesn't mean that it replaces. You know, the one issue that I have with any type of um, sort of external thing that you could take it's not that I have a problem with it itself. It's that I have a problem that we have a culture where we believe that if we're taking something, that that's all we need to be doing, yes. right? Every Like this idea right. that as long as you're popping something in your mouth or putting something on it, that that's, you've done what you can possibly do. And that's what's wrong, right? And that's where I get right. sort of frustrated is that it might be a part of the picture of what you want to do for your treatment plan. But it's probably not everything. And so, in my experience, you know, does omega threes and omega sixes and other essential fatty acids play a, a role in pain management? Yeah, absolutely. But is it everything about pain management and and injury management? No, absolutely not. It's part of the picture. So, I guess the short of it is, yeah, I think it's great that you're considering that. But if you're you're dealing with things, you may also want to stop and consider, well, what other things may be potentially missing? Right? Is it is it physical activity stuff is you know formal therapy uh intervention required in some way is there a better rehabilitation program is there a psychosocial component is this stress related there's so many things so we can't just say that it's one thing but i guess i'm sort of going off on a tangent and i like to do that i like to use the calls as a springboard into other things omega-3s are definitely part of the picture yes and, and it's a great thing that you're thinking of but just my, my caution uh, for everybody out there is don't be fooled into believing that any one thing is the solution for a problem as big as pain and injury.
1: Richard, appreciate the call. You want to have a bit of a further conversation with Dr. Lou? please do. You can reach out info at pinpointhealth.ca and one 855 55 Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio six forty Toronto.
1: And welcome back, Pinpoint Health Show. Info at pinpointhealth.ca to call Doctor Lou at the practice and uh, set up an assessment or appointment one eight five 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 Doctor Lou. And the Lou Down is the long form podcast series which you can get where you catch most of your favorite podcasts. Have a look and listen to those anytime time. I think I talked to you earlier this week about uh, my wife and she's got this nagging back pain and I'm getting her eventually to book an appointment to come see you or Adrian, a member of your team. It's got to happen this week because school just started yep. at the college so she's busy. But it's so funny sitting around with her with her family and her sisters and stuff. And we talk about this all the time. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's sciatica. It's like sciatica. I'm like, sciatica is not a diagnosis, babe. Oh, it's <laughs> tough getting people to change their minds when it comes to stuff they hear. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and it's like... It's the most common thing. So everybody, you know, you constantly hear that. That's just the number one thing that's thrown out there. And, you know, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't see it as a diagnosis because the diagnosis, it's part of the diagnosis. It's, It's a really good clinical sign potentially. But, you know, the other thing here is everybody assumes that if they have some type of leg pain, that it's irritation of the sciatic nerve. That's not always the case. Referral pain, as an example, that could be a result of what's called sclerotogenous referral. So referral pain through the it's sort of difficult to explain without getting into to, too much scientific stuff here, but it's not a true sciatic nerve pain. Um, and so, you know, that that's the other dangerous thing is the assumption that everybody knows what everybody is just because or what it is just because it's the most common thing and it's the thing that's talked about the most. And yeah. with low back pain, that's the constant thing. I mean, you could pick 100 people right now and say, you know, low back, uh, what's the diagnosis or something that, you know, that happens there. And most people are going to say, oh, you know, the sciatica. Um, and that's just sort of the catchphrase and, and what really, yeah. you know, resonates with people. No different than if you said foot pain. People say, oh, plantar fasciitis, wrist pain, oh, carpal tunnel syndrome, right? Like that's that's just what it is because now it's used it's used that often because they are common right so sure. so to some extent it's you know if you've got to go based on just probability and stats then yeah it's a safe it's a safe bet but what i always say is when it comes to your health care do you want to take a chance at just probability right because it's right because something is right you know 80 percent of the time do you just want to hang your hat on that and say well then you know because that's the stat then I should just go with that, right? Like, no, you may want to consider, well, hang on. I, I want to make sure that I'm not that other potential 20% of something else. Because, you know, the problem here is when you have the wrong diagnosis or the wrong clinical impression, you're likely going to have the wrong treatment. And when you have the wrong treatment, worse than potentially not doing anything is you may actually make yourself worse. Um, and that's a very dangerous thing. And so in, a, a good example of that in considering sciatic issues, okay, because you brought that up and it's a great example, is, if you, you know, you can have sciatic nerve irritation from a bunch of different things, but two things that can often happen are, say, something like a disc problem, like a disc herniation. And then another uh, problem might be something like a lateral stenosis, where the, the canal is actually narrowing due to degeneration. Well, the problem in assuming sciatica, and again, when you say sciatica, and you talk to most healthcare professionals, and if you said what's the most common cause of it, they'll say a disc herniation. Fine. So if everyone that you see with sciatica, you treat with the way you would treat a disc herniation, which most of the time you want to treat with an extension-based program, which means you want to offset the spine going into extension, that's fine. But what you also have to realize is what if you have that stenosis patient and that's the result of their sciatica? Now, that extension program won't just not do anything to help this person. It's in fact going to make them worse. And that's the problem. And vice versa, if you think something is stenosis and you go treat into a flexion program, but really it's a disc herniation, again, you're not just not doing anything to help this person. You are, in fact, likely making them worse, or they're making themselves worse. And this is the problem with Google, right? You know, oh, 60-year-old, leg pain, uh, back pain, and, you know, stenosis is going to come up. So, automatically someone's going to assume, oh, I must have stenosis. Well, what if you don't? And what if you follow that advice? And then this is where people then, you know, get to three, four weeks. They're not getting any better. They're getting much worse. They start getting scared because they don't know what's going on. They thought they knew what they were doing. And, you know, all of a sudden things are getting way worse than they originally thought. And, again, you you tell that story to me, and I'm not surprised. I could have told you the outcome if you did that before you ever you ever went down that path because I understand that's why professionals exist that's why something you know chiropractors which i'm a chiropractor uh why we specialize so much in 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 back pain because that's how much the extent of the level of knowledge that you need to to know and we've just only right there john talked about two things in when it comes to low back pain like we pick two things at random just because they're common because i wanted to highlight a point there's dozens of things Right. And if you don't know how to differentially diagnose, which means the ability to consider every option and exclude the ones that are not likely and rule in the ones that are most likely and start narrowing your way. If you don't have all that knowledge to do that and you think you can figure it out for yourself, because, again, it just seems simple. Well, you know, again, when you get worse, I I guess sort of to some extent, I I usually say don't be surprised. And this is, you know, every time we get callers. That you know will walk us through their whatever they've been feeling doing blah blah blah. One of the first things that I always ask is, have you seen anybody about this? And it's incredible how many times people say, no, I was you know I, I was dealing with it myself because I did you know my research and blah blah sure. blah. It's like you you've set yourself up for failure. You have yeah. set yourself up for failure if you think that you can do it on your own. That's like you know yeah I'm just going to build a house on my own like you know I it's fine if you think that that's what you're doing. And, and potentially if you think that way, that goes into the psychosocial aspect of pain, potentially your psychology around believing that others can't help you or that you know, everything contributes to your issue. So if that resonates with you, if you're hearing that again, that give me a call. I mean, that's a dangerous thing. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be, you know, an ass here if I'm even allowed to say that, but, what I'm trying to do is just highlight that these things are complicated, and because they're complicated, professionals exist, and professionals exist to help you, the public, navigate your way through these issues.
1: We had a uh, caller, Delphina, hanging on, but I think her her line dropped. Delphina, you want to give us another shot? Uh, you got a minute or two here, a couple minutes anyway, to uh, call through. We can uh, we can deal with it. If not, you can listen to the remainder of the show. Yeah, the thing. What happens after that, especially if you've got someone else in your family who's had. I use air quotes here, similar pain, oh, I think we might have Delfina coming back, I'll let you know, um, okay. is the fact to say, well, here's what ha- here's what I did, here's the exercises I did, why don't you try these, and that the could be thing, a yeah.
2: big bull of wrong right there. That could be right. deadly, right? And again, the problem is, is because we treat back pain, that word as the diagnosis, not realizing that all we're saying is a symptom, right? It would be the equivalent of like, oh, I've got a fever. Well, not every fever is a result of the same thing. And so we can appreciate that. But with back pain, we treat that term as a diagnosis. And because we treat it that way, that means that someone thinks that whatever helped them is should help all back pain because, you know, back pain is the diagnosis, which means every back pain is the same back pain. Well, it's not. It's not the exact same thing. And that's the dangerous component about this. And that's why the individualized care is so very important to get a personalized assessment to figure out exactly what's going on with you.
1: When it comes to back pain or anything else, that can be pretty severe and debilitating as far as moving is concerned. In the acute stage, do you recommend just maybe, we don't like bed rest, we hate that term, but bed rest and some medication just to get it down to a point where you can come see someone like you?
2: Yeah, so listen, rest has its place for sure. The the issue with bed rest is not, you know, back in the day, it wasn't that bed rest is necessarily bad. It was that the the prescription was bed rest for a, a long period of time. And that's not the right answer. I mean, there are people that throw out their discs and, you know, whether they want to have bad rest or not, they have to because they just can't move. And that's in that very acute phase. That's where, you know, this is, again, understanding where everything plays a role right those initial acute phases that's where you need those drugs that's where you need the meds right to really bring down the inflammation to knock you out a little bit to help things relax and then you can get to a point where it's like okay now i can go get some type of manual intervention so the spectrum of the way healthcare is delivered is very very important
1: and that'll just about do it for another day. You want to reach out to uh, Dr. Lou? Do so. Don't hesitate. One eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou D R L O U. You can go to pinpointhealth.ca or info at pinpointhealth.ca to send along an email. And make sure you catch the podcast, the Lou down, the long form version of what we talk about here, and all kinds of different things as well. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, we'll catch you again next time. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the. program... Program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.